Well, good evening. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. This passage is just an introduction uh, to what I think the Lord has laid on my heart this evening. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, after the salutation, the greeting uh, to the church, <clears throat> the Word of God says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather freely in this country in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us. Father, help us never to get over our salvation. Help us to never lose sight of the things that you desire to, for us to incorporate into our lives, to embrace, and also the things that you want us to set aside. And Father, we just thank you for the love that you showed toward us by sending Christ here. We thank you that for the work that he did and the, for his death, his burial, his resurrection through which we have hope. And we thank you for the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides and directs and teaches and comforts us until we stand in your presence as your children. Lord, I do thank you for just uh, who you are and what you're willing to do so that we might have a relationship with you through Christ. Thank you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. In this passage at the beginning in verse 3, it talks about that according to the divine power of God, His divine power, He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things, everything that we need, everything that we can possibly uh, require to accomplish what He wants us to accomplish, He's given us all these things. And how has He given us that? Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. And that's Jesus Christ. And whereby, in verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. One, a good Bible study is to go through and just look at the promises in Scripture. Look at the things that God says that He's willing to bring into our lives. And he's, He gives us these exceeding great and precious promises for a purpose, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. One day, we'll be partakers of the divine nature in full, in toto, in heaven. If, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, 
if you accepted the free gift that he's given to you, one day you will be with him in eternity. But until then, God wants us to be partakers of his divine nature as much as we can here on earth. And we do that through accepting the great and precious promises and through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we look down to verse 8, there's a, an admonition here. It says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, uh, Peter here, under the influence of the Holy Spirit and his direction, just tells us that God does not want us to be barren. This word means useless in the, in ter- in the work that Christ has for us to do. He doesn't want us to be unfruitful. Everything we see in God's creation that's alive is fruitful. Everything is looking to reproduce, to bear fruit. It, whether it's a grass seed that drops in the ground, a corn seed that drops in the ground and re- uh, reproduces 100, 200 fold, everything that's alive is looking to bear fruit. And with this new life that we have in Christ, that's what Christ wants for us. He wants us to bear fruit. He doesn't want us to be barren. He wants us to be useful. But if we lack these things, the Bible says that we're blind. And that we cannot see afar off. And worse than that, we've forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. God wants us to always be aware of, of the things that that might still be in our hearts, the things that he wants us to know about ourselves, and that the things that he wants us to accomplish. Now, in the, the things that God wants us to do, and this, the introduction's almost over, in 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible tells us that, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. This is a familiar verse to many of us. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So as we've been saved, as we become new creatures in Christ, as the old things are passed away, everything's become new. Everything that's become new is of God. And as he's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, then he wants us to to be ministers of reconciliation to the rest of the world. Otherwise, he could have just taken us home instead of leaving us here. But we all have a job to do. And this, this is for every believer. And as we go through this passage, we're going to look at in a few minutes, because I want us to look at one of the precious promises that's in Scripture, that sometimes we may not see it as a promise, Um, But I want us to see that as God brings us into a a saving knowledge and relationship through Jesus Christ, He wants us to grow in our knowledge of Christ. He wants us to grow in our knowledge of Him. Nowhere is God hiding Himself from us in this book. He wants us to see everything we need to know, all things that pertain to life and godliness. He wants us to understand it. But we've got to be diligent We've got to be in the Word, and we've got to be purposed to apply it in our lives. And Jesus came and went to the cross and paid the price that we might be reconciled unto God so that we might know the fullness of His joy, the fullness of His love, the fullness of the life that He has for us to live, and not to stay, as, as that 
that was referenced in uh, verse 9 in 2 Peter, not to stay blind, not to be able not to see afar off, not to see what God has for us to do, and certainly not to forget the, thing, the sins that we've been delivered out of. So as we turn now into 1 Corinthians 10.13, I want to look at this precious promise um, that God has given us. And it's, I th- this is really, this, this is a verse that I think everybody should commit to memory because it's really important, especially if you're new in the Lord or even if you've walked with the Lord for a long time, it's a very, very powerful passage. 1 Corinthians 10.13, and this is where we'll spend most of the rest of the evening on, on expanding on this. Uh, verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. This word temptation here is talking about uh, trying something, proving something. God wants us to be proven. He wants to prove himself to us, and he also wants to prove to us and to try our hearts so that we might see what our hearts are really like. Nothing surprises the Lord. There's nothing about this world, the the circumstances going on around us that's surprising him. Um, God knows our hearts. God knows where we are in our relationship with him. But God wants us to know where we are. God wants us to know the things that we need to work on. And that's that's what temptation is. It's like science used to be. You come up with an idea and you test it. I'm fine. Thank you, though. You test it, you try it, you test it, you try and disprove it. Um, But you constantly are trying and testing it. Well, God is constantly wanting us to see where we are in our relationship with Him and where there might be things lurking in our lives that we don't really understand or we um, we haven't really come to terms with. Now, it's the word temptation, it's a putting of a proof. And if it's done by experiment, it's for good. And if it's done by experience, it's for bad. In other words, if you, if you fail the temptation, then it's, it's, a, it's a lesson you have to learn. But if you grow from it, it's a good thing. So um, in Psalm 139, 23, the Bible says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Now, we sing that song, Search me, O God, and know my heart today. How many of the songs that we sing do we, do we really mean? Or, do we, or we, do we just sing because they're words on a screen? Or we really want God to search our hearts. And then verse 24 says, And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Well, that's the purpose of temptation. And if we believe that Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose, then then we've got to believe that temptation, it's one of the all things, works good, worketh for good in our lives. And when it really boils down to it, I believe that it is a, it's, it's God's, another expression of God's love for us. Because if you have a child, and a child's misbehaving, or a child's doing wrong, and you don't ever give them any feedback, you don't ever let them know how they're falling short, how can they grow? And remember, God does not want us to be barren. 
God does not want us to be unfruitful. God wants us to be ministers of reconciliation for Him. And as this church continues to grow, and, this, and God brings more people in, and we have opportunities to influence other people's lives for the cause of Christ and be His ambassadors, we need to be fruitful, and we need to be useful for His kingdom. And so he's, he, the temptation, there's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. Now, if it isn't a good thing, then why would James say, count it all joy? Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. It's because God loves you, and God wants you to see what you need to see about your own heart. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God wants us to grow to be mature, now, this, this passage doesn't refer to sinless perfection because I don't think, as Scripture says, that as long as I'm on this earth, in this flesh, that I'm going to be sinless. But I ought to be purposing to sin less and to set aside the things that, that really take away the power of God in my life and the, thing, and, and the things that I, I, I have become accustomed to you know, there may be uh, patterns of behavior in your life. They may have been the way your family always did things. They may be part of our culture. But if anything doesn't line up with this book, if we, if, if we are willing to invest the time in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has for us in this book, then we're going to be able to set those things aside that are hindering us and keeping us from being as fruitful as God wants us to be. And in this verse where it, say, where it says, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. God wants us to grow to be mature in Christ. God wants us to grow to be uh, vessels that He can use for His glory. And the more that I empty myself of myself, the more I die to myself, the more the Holy, room the Holy Spirit has to come into my life and to work in me and through me out to a lost and dying world. So temptation is working together for good in the life of a believer, even if you have a besetting sin, something that you don't seem to be able to get over. That's still God saying, here's something you need to deal with. Here's something you need to address. And uh, God wants us to walk in victory. God wants us to walk in truth. And uh, temptation is the trying of our faith, uh, to be, make us more mature and perfect in the eyes of God. And in verse further down in James 1, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. God wants us to, through the temptation, to be tried, let patience do her perfect work, and to grow. Verse 13, let no man, now here's, here's something we really need to understand, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now understand that God, nothing happens in our lives that God does not allow. Amen. Nothing. And whether it's chastening that we're receiving, or it's blessing that we're receiving, correction that we're receiving, or uh, joy unspeakable that we're receiving, nothing is coming into our lives that God does not allow. And here he says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, but for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Now we're surrounded 
with some sources of temptation. There's the world, that's an external source. There's our flesh, that's an internal source. That's our biggest problem. And then there's our enemy, the devil. So the world, the Bible tells us that we're not to love the world. We're not to love the world. We're not to, because the world is the source of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And if we love the world, the Bible actually tells us that the love of the Father is not in us. We have surrendered the love of the Father and the things that God wants to bring into our lives. Not that we've surrendered our salvation, because once we're saved, we can't lose that. Uh, There's nothing that can take that away. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We're in the Father's hands. We're in the Son's hands. But we can surrender the, the blessing. We can unplug ourselves from the power of God uh, by choosing uh, to yield to temptation. Uh, but, but God cannot tempt with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But here's the, the real test of it. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. If there's a temptation to do something wrong, God is letting you see that that lust is in your heart. God is letting you see that that lust abides within you. And he doesn't do it to condemn you. He does it to help you grow. Now, he will, I believe if we look at the book of Job, that we see that Satan comes into the throne room of God, and they have a conversation about Job, and, and God allows Satan to do something, not because Job had done wrong, but he, God allowed him to sift Job, to try Job. And then when Satan come back and came back and said, well, that's, you, know, you, you haven't allowed me to do enough. Well, God said, okay, we'll do a little more. And all through that, God wasn't being unkind. God wasn't being unloving. But God was working for good in Job's life what needed to be worked out, just like he's working for good in each and every one of our lives. Now, some of this we may not see to the other side of eternity what God's doing. Just like some, we may not see if some of our prayers have been answered. We may not see what God is really doing. And we may never fully understand it, but we just got to trust God is God. And God is doing what he's, he sees fit. So when, every, when every man is tempted, he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So we're going to see in a passage in a few minutes that, uh, that we're to hold every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And when we don't do that, and we're enticed, we're tempted, we're drawn away of our lust, then what happens, it's almost, the, the word that's used here is the same as conception and childbirth. That lust is, because we don't hold it in obedience to Jesus Christ, we don't deal with it the way God wants us to deal with it, it's, it literally is conceived. And that, and that lust and that enticement is conceived, and as we allow that thought, we allow that process to mature and percolate in our minds and our hearts, it bringeth forth sin, and sin bringeth forth death. Now, this death doesn't mean he's necessarily going to put you to physical death, but death everywhere in the Bible is separation. So when I yield to temptation, instead of um, resisting it and allowing patience to do her perfect work, when I yield to it, it, it's, it brings a separation between my relationship with God at, at that time in my life until I get it right. 
until I deal with it. So the Bible says that out of the heart are issues of life. God wants us to know what's in our heart. Um, and it, a lot of us may be, a lot of you may be sitting here, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. And that may be the case. One of the hardest things to see when it comes to um, repentance is the small corrections. It's easy in our lives when we've got to do a, a 180 or even a 90 degree turn from something. But if you're sailing across the ocean and you're one to two degrees off, you're not going to get where you want to go. And in our lives, if we're off a couple degrees from where God wants us to be, we're not going to accomplish the things God wants us to accomplish. So we've got to appreciate that out of our heart are the issues of life, according to Scripture. And so uh, an illustration for this is a tea bag. You can take a tea, a bag of tea, and you can smell it, and you can think what it's going to taste like, but you don't know what it tastes like until you hit it with the hot water. And there are a lot of times where God is going to allow pressure, God's going to allow heat, God's going to allow the refining fire to come into our life to bring that dross to the top for us to know what we need to scrape off, what we need to get rid of. But we still have to make the right choice. You know, we, we talked about the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world can influence me. The world can present opportunities to do wrong. The enemy may set the table for me to do wrong, but ultimately, if I do wrong, it's my choice. It's my willful choice to step outside of the grace of God, outside from under His protection, through whatever spiritual protection He's afforded me as His child, and to step outside of that for, for some cheap substitute that the world wants to offer me, that the enemy wants to put before me, but ultimately it's my choice, my will, my desire, and, and my lust that gets me to that point. But with that being said, remember, this temptation is a worketh good in the life of the believer. As we, as we look at this, there's two passages in Romans 6 I want to look at, both of them 6.6. 6. Pastor mentioned one of these when he was talking about being baptized into Jesus Christ, being baptized into his death. And Romans 6.6 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. And then, and you may think to yourself, well, I'm not serving sin. That's not what I'm doing. Well, what does Romans 6.16 say? Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So, there was an old Sunday school uh, saying that we used to use, there are two choices on the shelf, serving God or serving self. And ultimately, every decision we make falls on, onto one side or the other of that equation. And do we realize that even if we think it's innocent, or innocent might be the wrong word, even if we don't think it's harming someone else, even if we don't think it's anything that bad, it's just kind of like a little white lie, or it's something that, that really shouldn't trouble anybody. We are, we are yielding ourselves to something that God doesn't want us to yield to. And we, you know, the great thing about the, our salvation is that we are no longer under the power of that sin. There was a time before I was saved that I was bound in my trespasses and sin, according to Scripture. 
And now that, that I'm saved, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. And the only thing that brings that back is me going over and doing CPR on the old man. Because that's what I want to do. So temptation is working good in our lives. And so not only is there is this, there's no temptation that's taken you, but it's also common. It's common to man. Especially with dealing with folks with addictions or dealing with, uh, with a lot of people, you might hear the expression, well, nobody understands. Nobody's gone through what I've gone through. Nobody's been through what I've been through. Well, according to this passage, that's just not true. Uh, this, this idea is that <clears throat> these temptations are common to man, common to our fallen nature. It's common to, to mankind itself. And then we, we know from Hebrews that, that we even have a, a better understanding of this that because of what Jesus has done for us. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus has been tempted in every point like we are, and he's our example. Now granted, he was God. He was God in the flesh. But I think we can see through Scripture that he, he yielded himself wholly to the Holy, completely to the Holy Spirit as an example to us. So just as Christ yielded himself to the Holy Spirit and obeyed the Father, we can do the same thing. If we fill our hearts and fill our minds with the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And... Verse 16 in that same passage said, because of who Jesus is and what he's done and the fact that he's been tempted in all points like as we are, then let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we face these temptations, when we face these trials, when we face these opportunities for God to show us where our heart is, that's when we're to come boldly to his throne of grace. And, and we're going to obtain the mercy and the grace that we need in that time. So here we see there's no temptation that's taking you, but such as is common to man. So temptation is working good in our lives, and it's common throughout humanity. So here's the second part of the promise. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Now, Scripture is replete with passages about the faithfulness of God. Deuteronomy says, uh, Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. A thousand generations. That's his faithfulness. And why does the Bible tell us to be faithful? Be faithful. Why? Because he is faithful. And be holy because he is holy. We're to be Faithful in, as God is faithful. And he, not only is He faithful, He's not going to suffer us to be tempted above that you're able. And this is really important because He knows your heart. He knows where the line is. And He wants you to see where that line is. And He wants to see if you're going to choose to step over it. He wants to see if you're going to choose to obey. He wants us to know our hearts and know our shortcomings, not so... No, God isn't the God that's standing up there holding the lightning rod and the hammer. That's Baal. If you see any in the, uh, in the Holy Lands and in, in Persia and places like that, you'll see these pictures of, 
of a false god who's got a hammer and a lightning rod. That's not our God. Our God loves us. Our God wants us to walk in Him, walk in truth, and grow in grace. And He wants us to know these shortcomings so that we can learn to walk in victory, learn to be overcomers, not to be defeated or discouraged. That's what the enemy wants. If the enemy cometh not but to, uh, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy, what the enemy wants you to be is barren and unfruitful. The enemy wants you to be second-guessing yourself every time God calls you to do something. Every time God calls you to speak to your coworker, speak to your neighbor, speak to the person in the grocery store. All God wants you to do is talk to people, build relationships, look for an opportunity for a word fitly spoken, speak the truth in love, listen to people, and, and be a minister of reconciliation. And one of the biggest parts of that is learning to listen. But not only is God faithful, that He's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond that we are able, He's also faithful to where if we fail, He forgives us and cleanses us. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God doesn't want you to wallow around in guilt. God doesn't want you on this emotional or spiritual roller coaster where you're doing right, doing wrong, doing right, doing wrong. God wants us to learn to walk in grace, walk in the Spirit, walk in truth, confess our sins when we know we've done wrong, get the promise that He gives us of forgiveness and cleansing, and then walk in the Spirit, as Galatians 5.16 says, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Draw closer to God, draw closer to Christ, know more about who He is, know more about what He offers, and walk in the Spirit of truth. So the third part, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. That's part one. Part two, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. The third part, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may bear it. Now, the greatest example of this is Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. How did Jesus bear that temptation? We see in Matthew 4 that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. It was no accident that He was there. The Spirit of God led Him there. The Spirit of God led Him to be tempted of the devil. And He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward He was hungered. And when the tempter came to Him, He said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, Jesus, as God, could have turned those stones into bread. But everything that the enemy tries to do is to get us outside of God's plan for our life, to take a shortcut, to try and get us out from under circumstances, to, to go around things, to go around what God wants us to go through, what God wants us to learn from and demonstrate His, His grace and, and that He can get the glory from. But He answered and said, He didn't argue with Him, he did the same thing that we need to do. He answered with the word of God. It says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then we see the, the next two temptations. And the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." It is written again, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. 
and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now we need the word of God in our hearts. We need the word of God in our hearts, especially in those areas where we know that we're weak. We also need them in the areas that we think we're strong. Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's where the escape comes through. If we have the word of God in our hearts, and the Holy Spirit can bring that to remembrance. And then we can speak the truth of the word of God and resist the devil. I can't resist the devil in my strength, and neither can you. Amen. Your strength will always fail, but God's will never fail. His divine power will never fail. And so we want to put the Word of God in our hearts, and as Christ answered the temptation, we can answer it the same way. Now, the, the real issue becomes, how much of this are we putting in our hearts? How much are we reading? How much are we meditating? How much are we studying? Um, you know, there's, a, there's a passage in uh, Joshua 1.8, and if I start singing it, that's the way I learned it. Uh, but it says, this book of the law, uh, let me start over. Here, I'll read it because I don't want to sing it at you. <laughs> but that's, uh, forgive me, I should have had that marked. God wants us to be successful. God wants us to prosper. But Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God wants this truth in our mouths, in our hearts, in our minds. He wants us to be praying without ceasing. He wants us to be rejoicing evermore. He wants our minds and our hearts stayed upon Him. And when our hearts and minds are stayed upon Christ, when we're looking up instead of looking around, then that's when God's going to be able to help us to escape these problems. Now, you know, I, my wife and I worked in a, an addiction ministry out in Katy for a while, and one of the things that it, this verse does not tell you is that the way of escape comes after you've already made a decision to go down a, a particular road. You know, the, the way to escape if you've got a problem with alcohol isn't necessarily found on the bar stool. The way to escape if you have a problem with looking at things you shouldn't look at on the Internet isn't when you're looking through websites. It's when that thought comes into our hearts and minds. Um, and the passage I wanted to talk about that is in 2 Corinthians 10.3. It's because as we look at this, uh, this passage tells us very clearly that we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. My problems with the flesh, my victory is not going to be in this flesh. Um, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of this earth. They're not of this temporal world we live in, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, all through Scripture we see especially in the Pauline epistles, we see Paul writing to believers saying, don't give place to the devil. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And then here we see 
that, um, that we, have a, we could potentially have strongholds in our lives. And it says that casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And this is where, this is where the victory is. We've got to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Amen. Now, we live in a culture that is so anti-God and anti-truth, unless it's your truth. Um, but they're against the truth of God. But we have to be about the truth. And we've got to be looking to, the, to God's might, God's strength. And when he shows us things in our lives, we might even have strongholds. Because what happens is we, we, there might be things that we haven't completely dealt with since we've got saved. Now, granted, my sins are forgiven when I get saved. But there still can be areas in my life where I have habits, where I have patterns, I have mindsets, where I'm just constantly having issues, constantly having problems. And this is part of sanctification. It's growing in grace. We start off with, you know, babes, drinking milk, having a a desire for the sincere milk of the word. And then we, we cut our teeth. We learn to chew meat. We have to learn to crawl. We have to learn to walk. And as we're doing those things, God's going to reveal more and more that he wants us to deal with. I don't take a newborn child and try and read him the riot act for crying in his bed because that's how children communicate. Now, what you need to do, especially if you're new parents, is learn what those cries mean because some of them are good for their lungs. But there's some where they really need something. There's some where they're just mad. There's some when they're hungry, but they cry. And I'm not going to berate a little baby over that issue. And, and Christ isn't going to uh, berate me as a newborn babe about that either. As I grow in grace and grow in the truth and the understanding of the Word of God, He's going to begin to show me things, things that I, I need to set aside, to lay aside, to put off the old man, as the Bible says. And, uh, you know, if we're not actively feasting on the Word of God, we're not going to have the discernment that we need. And that's found in Hebrews 5.14. But strong meat, when Paul's talking about these people that should be teachers, these people that should be able to teach and minister to others, he's still got to come back and teach them the basics. He's got to give them the, the Ned's primer for all of you that are over a certain age that know what that is. But, they, but ultimately, it says, But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. God wants us to exercise our senses. God wants us to be able to see afar off. God wants us to be able to recognize problems coming. God doesn't want these things to slip up on us and defeat us. And, and God wants us to be doers of the word and not hearers only, because if we're hearers only, we're deceiving our own selves. So God tells us that there's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Well, why is this important? Besides, it, it's good for us. It's God showing us what's in our heart. Um, but if we look at the passage, the verses that bracket it on either side for context, verse 12 says, before this passage, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Every one of us 
is one wrong thought, one bad choice from getting ourselves in a lot of trouble. And what happens is it, it sneaks up on us, it builds. If we, if we habitually make wrong choices before we realize it, we, that sin has taken us a lot further than we ever expected to go. And we look around, uh, even in the, in the church, and we wonder, well, well how, how did that brother fall? Or how did that preacher fall out of, disqualify himself from ministry? Or how did that, how did that happen in this church? Well, the, these things happen because we need to take heed lest we fall. We need to listen to the Word of God and listen to uh, the tr- His Holy Spirit in our hearts. And when the temptation comes along, don't dismiss it. Don't think we've got it covered. Realize that God's trying to show us something. And then the, after this, it says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. In other passages, we see that the Word of God says, flee from youthful lust. There are certain times when we're to resist the devil, and there are certain times when we need to flee. And God's going to need to show you what that is for you in your life, because I'm not here to play the Holy Spirit's role. Um, but ultimately, Romans 8.1, which we're, we quote a lot, at least the first half of it, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And that's a great part of that passage. But the second part says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So if we're, if we're, if we're allowing any part of our lives to yield to our flesh, then, then we shouldn't be surprised if we do get if we do hear condemnation, if the, if the, the Lord allows the, or the accuser, accuser to come into our lives and bring things that up that, are, that we need to deal with because God's allowing us to see what we need to deal with. Uh, but if, if you know that your heart's right and the enemy comes and starts bringing stuff up that you know is under the blood, then you, you speak truth to him. You resist him with the word of God. Amen. But if there's something that you know isn't right, then you accept that as a loving Heavenly Father allowing something into your life to say, you need to look at this, you need to deal with this. Because as our church grows, and um, we all need to be as usable as we can be for the kingdom of God. And whether that's here on campus, whether that's in the way when we're out amongst uh, folks, whether that's uh, in our workplace or wherever it is, God wants us to be as usable as possible. But that takes me knowing my heart. That's asking God to create a clean heart in me, to, to purge me with hyssop, as David said after in Psalm 51, after uh, he was dealing with the Lord about what he had done with Bathsheba and Uriah and the child's death. He said, purge me, show me, create a clean heart in me. Don't take away your Holy Spirit. Restore that, the joy of my salvation. That's what God wants. God wants us to be joy-filled and walk in the fullness of Christ. Well, I appreciate your time tonight, and I, I hope I, I know that it was a, uh, you know, this was a challenge to my heart as the Lord brought this to me. Um, you know, but as our church seeks to evangelize and uh, the lost, to edify 
and build up the believer and to exalt and glorify God, we really need to have our hearts as, as clean as they can be for His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for the truth that You've made available for us and the precious promises that You give. And Father, we even thank You for You lovingly allowing temptation in our lives that we might see our need to, uh, to deal with things, our need to get right. Or it may just be an opportunity for us to see that, that our heart is right with you and that, that we can be victorious and we can walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each heart as, as you need to with regard to this. And we thank you for, for all that you're, that you're willing to do in us and through us for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen.